0: Cristo
1: Urbano, the show. Welcome to my podcast, where you can listen to interviews, sermons, and much more. Cristo Urbano, the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cristo Urbano, the show. I'm very excited. I'm very, very, very happy (laughs) because I have my friend Aaron Mons with me today. Uh, in this episode, Aaron is a is a friend. Uh, He's a pastor uh, in Seattle. He's planting a church now, uh, United Church uh, in Seattle. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much, man, for saying yes to my invitation and decide to spend these few minutes with me, brother. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. How's everything going there? Well, it's going all right. I mean, it's summer for us, and that's been kind of good. We can get outside a little bit more, despite the coronavirus and all the stuff that's happening with that. But we're, we're doing all right. We're holding up. We're still kind of in a, a modified quarantine space. So that is, is it, what it is. But, are, the, you know, are the numbers going here.
1: down? Are the numbers going down now there?
0: Because last time I checked, it was just going up. Like, how, how is that going? not in our county Hmm. yeah our county's numbers are going up they're like we are basically back to where we were almost at the very beginning so we had we had a nice little dip but now we have we have a resurgence that has taken place over the past oh two to three weeks and yeah so we've got mask requirements now everybody has to wear a mask when you're outside and uh, there, there's seating capacity limitations now in terms of like restaurants and that sort of stuff. So we're not, sure, we're not sure what the future holds for us other than we are where we are at the moment in terms of not much has really changed.
1: Yes. I'm here in Virginia now in Winchester. Um, you know, here is very mild. You know, like uh, in public places, people wear masks. In other places, you wear masks if you want to so uh it's a lot more calm down here so i'm gonna be praying man for things to get to get better up there for you because i know it's not easy man do you guys have curfew there and stuff or no
0: say that again do you guys have curfew there or no no thankfully no and there's no curfew this time around thank god yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so we got some freedom. We can still get out. Like we went to the we went to a national park last weekend and did some hiking. And so there, there's still some there's opportunities to get out. It's just everything has to be social distanced and limited in your numbers. So like our church is still meeting purely online. We we don't have any in person gatherings, and we don't see that coming anytime soon. We're going to be in an online space for the foreseeable future.
1: Mm um i want i want my audience to know aaron that big reason why i wanted you in in my show in this space is because uh you're a big part of what we're doing in the dominican with planting churches um you know gold ministries uh is planting a thousand churches in 10 years uh we've been working on that and there is so many people in our team that, 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 that people don't know. You, you were able to, to help us for a long time. Um, you have a lot of experience uh, planting churches. You know, now, uh, how long have you been in Seattle now uh, uh, planting that church? Coming up on five years. Oh, wow. Five years now.
0: Five yeah, years. The church is only two years old, but we've been here for five.
1: Uh, and you have planted several churches, so... Whatever input you have in the church planting uh, conversation, uh, you guys better listen uh, if you're listening <laughs> to this episode because this guy, uh, he won't tell you unless you ask him, but he's very, very, very smart. Um, I want to I wanna start off asking, bro, how has been that process for you, uh, uh, planting that church in Seattle? How, how, how has it been?
0: It's been slow. It's been slow. It's the culture and the environment of the Pacific Northwest has created unique challenges for us. And it's made it a slow going process in terms of what it is that we had expected and thought that we would see in a short amount of time has actually taken probably about twice as long to get where we thought we would be. I think a lot of it has to do with just the culture here is very, independent and very insular uh, people kind of stay to themselves a lot of introverts within our within our city and people don't necessarily want to go hang out with new people they want to stick to the people that they know and they want to be comfortable in that space so it makes it a little bit more difficult to build and develop relationships with people it just takes a lot longer to get inroads with people in terms of just making them feel comfortable with who you are as a as a person
1: yeah it's important for people to know you are from illinois or indiana help me remember illinois
0: illinois
1: Illinois.
0: and your wife in the middle of
1: illinois and your wife too right
0: yeah yeah she's from southern
1: illinois so so you have here two 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 persons you know two people that are from illinois how do you end up in Seattle? How did that happen? Like, why, why Seattle?
0: Yeah, it really kind of a God thing. I mean, that's, that's kind of how everything has worked for us in terms of, like, church planting. It, it was a God thing. For us, it was we have always felt an affinity towards the West Coast. We've always felt as if there was a culture there that we can resonate with and a people whom we have always admired and been inspired by. And so for us to end up in Seattle is kind of fun. We actually, our honeymoon, so we've been married for 18 years now. And our honeymoon was actually here to Seattle 18 years ago. And so the fact that we end up here now, you know, for the past almost five years is kind of remarkable for us and uh, kind kind of a full circle thing in some respects, but we feel like God really led us here. He opened up a lot of doors when we weren't quite sure if this, if something like this would ever happen for us again, if we would actually ever head out to plant a new church again. And so the fact that God opened up a lot of doors for this to happen is, is quite remarkable. So it's truly a God thing is why we're here. Mm. Uh,
1: last year, Aaron, we, we, we were able to hang out a little bit um, in Dominican when we did uh, three-city, um, how yeah. was that three-city training. How was that experience from your perspective? Uh, explain a little bit what we were doing in that trip and how was that experience for you? For me, it was awesome. Well, I want people to hear from you today.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It was, It was so wonderful. So every time that I had been to the Dominican, I'd really only been in Santiago. And so the opportunity to take the things that we had been teaching and doing as an organization from Santiago into other parts of the country, that, that to me was, was amazing. Just because we get to see some of that multiplication, it's no longer centered in Santiago, but now there are these hubs that are being created in other parts of the country. So for me, that, immediately, that was the most exciting part of it, was to see this multiplication effort begin to happen in other parts of the country. To, the, the drive was amazing and beautiful, getting able to see different parts of the country, even though that John long? was driving. It was wonderful. Oh, it was so long. Oh my <laughs> goodness, it was so long so long and hot oh it's so hot i mean the pacific northwest it doesn't get very hot here so when i come down to the dominican like oh my goodness it's so hot (laughs) like we get up to 80 degrees right like 80 degrees and in october i think we were there it was like 100 i'm like oh i was just a mess of sweat um but it was it was beautiful like just to to go down to the bates and learn and and hear the story of how those communities have been formed and developed and also to see what God is doing in those spaces was really beautiful to actually get to lay eyes on what God has been doing in the pastors and in the people in those communities to see Pastor William like just light up as he shared stories of life change Uh, of the people within his congregation and the people within his community, of how Jesus has really been working in and through their lives, has been absolutely amazing and beautiful. So I'm super excited to be a part of, I was super excited to be a part of a trip like that to where we actually got to see people in their contexts, sharing the stories of what it is that God is doing in those spaces, Uh, going down to Himene and to see some of the work that is being done there was also just really beautiful. That was, a, that was kind of a, a, side, a side note. But, but, but even going up, uh, uh, what was the city? The, the city at the top of the country, Porta, uh, Porta Plata? Puerto Plata? Is Puerto right? Plata, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To go, to go up to Puerto Plata and see all of the people that showed up and was like, hey, we need to see what this is all about. To hear stories of the, the women pastors that have been sharing of the things that have been going on in their congregations and in their communities. To see just how the Spirit of God is moving across the country is nothing short of remarkable and miraculous. I, I really believe that there's a move of God in that country, because of the faithfulness of people like you, Isais, and people like Elvis, and Elido, and I mean, it's Victor. Like, it's just beautiful to see all of the work that is being done in and through you guys as you as you work so hard to make Jesus known to your neighbors and to your friends and to your communities. It's been, it's been that trip was a, a highlight uh, of my life. Uh, just to see what is possible, just to see what it is that God does uh, through faithful men and women.
1: And I think think the Puerto Plata, um, because we made three stops, it was Puerto Plata, uh, Santiago, well, not three stops. Puerto Plata, Santiago, Barahona, Jimani. uh, What's the other one that I'm missing? Uh, Santiago. (laughs) You know, but but like uh, the special part, I'm glad you mentioned that when we were in Puerto Plata, you know, usually we are training uh, pastors that are already connected to us. But in Puerto Plata, we had a lot of people. There was a lot of people in that that church um, that were just hungry uh they wanted to be trained of how to multiply their churches and we opened the arms okay you want to be trained how to multiply there was like different kind of churches there and you know of course once once they decide to be part of the movement we want to be part of this you know that we have the assessment uh for people to go through the assessment and it's kind of like an evaluation and see how we can work together in the future but it was really cool man um you can not even tell people that you uh unofficially went to Haiti that trip, remember? Because we kind of <laughs> right.
0: we were bridge we were
1: border. yeah, we were on the bridge, bro. It's like the bridge is is nobody's land. You know, it's kind of in between the two <laughs> countries. That was fun, man. That was Absolutely. fun.
0: <laughs> oh, that was so good. That was so good. <laughs> That's
1: right. Something that that. That you've been helping us with a lot, Aaron, has been training about um, the one-on-one
0: discipleship. Share, share, share a little bit about that. please. Yeah, I believe that there's a lot of power in one-on-one discipleship, of actually spending time with someone and investing in them deeply, uh, and not just not just one person, but but doing it with multiple people. Uh, find your three. Your, find, your, find your 12 that you can actually sit with and spend time investing deeply into them in a one-on-one sort of relationship. I, I really believe that that's where life transformation takes place. Uh, we're, we're not meant to be consumers of the gospel. We're, we're not supposed to be people that just sit and, and watch it take place in a church, on a stage. And what we catch through a sermon, what we catch through the worship, what, whatever happens in that space is all there is. That, that What God wants to do is actually drill down deep into our heart. He wants to drill deep down into our mind and our, into our soul and really form us into the likeness of Jesus. And there's a lot of times that there are questions or thoughts or issues that we wrestle with that, that we're not going to hear on a Sunday morning. And when you sit in that space, that one-on-one space with someone, and you can bring up those questions, you can ask those things, and that person that's sitting with you, they may not know the answer. And it's not really, honestly, their role is to be the answer giver. Their, Their role is to help you figure out what that answer is, to be that partner that walks alongside of you. If you've got questions about who Jesus is, about who God is, about how they work in your life. That's, that's what one-on-one discipleship is for, uh, how, how to become more and more like Jesus in our everyday life, to pay attention to how God continues to speak to us. I, that's, that's something that I, I truly believe at the depths of my being, at the very core of me, is that God is still speaking to us. God is still speaking to us. Just because the Bible we just because we have the Bible doesn't mean that God, through His spirit, is not still communicating to us and drawing us with this beautiful song closer and closer to His heart. Like that is happening on the regular, and sometimes, sometimes we need someone alongside of us. I, I would actually say more than sometimes, but all the time. We need somebody walking alongside of us in this journey that kind of helps us hear better what that voice of God is saying in our life and how we then can follow hard after him and and get closer and closer to the heart of Jesus in the midst of this all. If, if, if we don't end up at the end of our lives, looking more like Jesus than we did when we started, then we failed. Like we failed. We're not being discipled well. And that's what, that's what life is all about. Like, as people ask, like, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to look more and more like Jesus, to love more and more like Jesus, to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, like Jesus did, to have all of those elements on display exponentially greater than what it was when we started that's that's discipleship that's the meaning of life is to be transformed into that likeness and image of give
1: Give me an example aaron of uh you know of a person that walks because because we know a lot of people in leadership that walk through life alone um give us an example of somebody who is a leader walks in life alone versus somebody who is a leader and has somebody to be uh transparent with what are the pros and cons of that
0: yeah if if you walk if you walk alone there's an old african proverb that says if you want to go if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together if you want to go fast go alone i think that is that is the epitome of independent leadership of someone who doesn't have someone walking along they may, they may come out of the gates storming. They may go super, super fast, but they're going to burn out in the end. Like they're going to be exhausted. They're going to be tired. They're going to be self-involved. They're, they're not going to know how to interact well with other people. They're just going to be their own person. Everything that they think is right is right because they don't have anybody else walking alongside of them actually. And, and
1: that. that's not the model that Jesus showed us. You know, he's right exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah but if you have somebody with you if you have that other person that walks through life with you and you might have multiple people I've had multiple people in my life be that discipler that person that is with me every step of the way somebody that just speaks into my life over and over and over again like there are multiple people that have done that for me and as they continue to speak I listen. I hear good things I, I become more attuned to not only who I am but who God has made me to be. I become more attuned to not only uh, what where my faults lie but where the good things that God is working in my life are as well, and through that, I get to rub off some of the hard edges like we work together to 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 find those spaces where I'm becoming more and more like Jesus in my everyday life and my hope and I, I Think this is actually really true is I look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday and I look more like Jesus yesterday than I did 10 months ago than I did three years ago than I did five years ago I, I that that is the progress and there are certainly days that that I fail that I flop that I don't look like Jesus at all but if I don't have somebody pointing out that to me pointing that out to me it's alongside me like hey like you blew it <laughs> right? Like, hey, you're not quite there. You're not doing if I don't have somebody pointing that out to me in my life and then, then I'm gonna drift off in a way into a into into a non Jesus type of lifestyle and that I took I that took so many I took good. so
1: many notes, and when you talk about that, it was so good, and I've been trying <laughs> to apply it, you know uh, with some friends and some mentors that I have um you know, it's it's biblical, bro. You know, just yeah. getting advice from different people help you get a better perspective in your decision making. You know, but the problem that we have is that so many times we we wanna get advice from from friends that we know that are gonna say what we want to hear. And that's yeah. if you're doing that, you're missing the point. You know, like yeah, you just gotta have uh christ followers god fearing people that are gonna draw the best out of you you know and and, and we we had to praise for god to give us the sermon on that uh, when you were teaching that class man i took so many notes i have so many people from <laughs> from from our church that were blessed by it that they loved it we we did a we did. A, we studied a book after that, uh, the the four shares of discipleship. It was really, really good. Um, that's awesome. For those people who are listening, Aaron, is there a book that 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 goes more in depth about the one-on-one discipleship that you will point people to if they want to study it?
0: Oh man, that's a good question. I the th- Bible. If, if there's a. <laughs> the Bible, yeah. The Bible absolutely. is the number one, you know, like uh, sure, Jesus
1: yeah. spending time with his 12, with his three, with his yeah. one. That's where, that's where that
0: idea comes from. But any books I can you know, think of that, talk about that. You know, there's a great book called The Great Omission by Dallas Willard. <clears throat> it's, it's not an easy read. It's, a, it's basically a collection of essays. But if you spend time reading one of those essays every single week and just really work through the language, because it's, 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 it's not the easiest read in the world. But man, is, if it is not one of the most challenging reads on one-on-one discipleship and the need for it, uh, the, probably The Great Omission would be the book that I would recommend for that. Not an easy read, but it will certainly, certainly challenge you well in 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 the ways of jesus that is for sure
1: that's good
0: um and read it with somebody else
1: (laughs) yeah yeah because that's the point that's true you know like doing it with somebody else that that helps tongues you know yeah uh to go over ideas and stuff um i understand Aaron, that you also planted a church in san francisco is that right and yeah, is, sure there, is there any other place that you planted church? Because you cho- you planted churches everywhere, man. San no, Francisco. No, no. That,
0: in Seattle. That's it. Just two. So San Just Francisco two. was and the first one, right? Yeah, that was the first one. For how we long were you there? other churches. About five years. We were there for about five years. Okay. Uh,
1: how was that experience there in San Francisco?
0: Who Exactly. <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different city. It's a different, uh, different culture, a different environment. It's, um, it is a culture and environment that is always on the go. Everybody there wants to change the world. Everybody there is super passionate about, about fixing things, changing things, creating new and they all want to interconnect and network with one another to make it happen. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It is a city full of world changers. And it's beautiful, but it's exhausting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> People need to understand out there, you know, leaving leaving your home, leaving your your hometown. Leaving your friends, your family, to go to a city where you don't know anybody, uh, and plant a church from ground zero is not easy. Um, it's hard work. You know, we're doing it in Dominican, and we see stories after stories of struggles, you know. And that's why the you know, talking about the one-on-one discipleship is so important because we need to help each other, we need to feed off each other's knowledge and, you know, pick up pick each other up when when somebody's down, because those times of being down are going to happen, you know Um, from all the years, Aaron, that you have been planting churches in San Francisco, in Seattle is there any crazy stories that you will be willing to share of you know, like, tough times of Planting those churches?
0: <laughs> oh, there's a lot of
1: tough times.
0: Oh, man, where do you want me to begin? I,
1: you know. Listen, listen, I don't want to scare people out there that are trying to plant a church. I just need you guys to understand, if God is sending you to plant a church, he's going to be with you. But the road is not going to be easy. <laughs> yep.
0: yeah you know what, like to piggyback off that, God calls us to be faithful. He doesn't call us to be successful. And in church planting, that is probably the greatest lesson that I have ever learned. So when all of the difficult times come, when all of the hardships are there, it's just a matter of faithfulness, like continue to put your hand to the ground and continue to dig, continue to plant the seeds that are in front of you. Like because there are some, there are some really, really rough moments, really difficult times. I, I'll, I'll never forget. <laughs> there was one day that I was on my way into our office. We had a, we we were renting out, kind of like, it's like a co-working space where a bunch of companies worked out of, and our church had space. Like we rented out time in this big office environment. So there's probably a hundred people that gather together in this space to work out of. And I'll, I'll never forget. I was making my way with one of our uh, one of my team members and we're on our way into the office. And a guy just comes around the corner, looks at us, stops, like stops us in our tracks. He's probably, I don't know, two, three feet away from us, Just starts screaming at us. And just yelling, 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 yelling. And and the stuff that he's saying, I can't repeat. But it is not kind, not good stuff. Uh, Somehow he knew that we were Christians. And so he's screaming about us for being Christians. And then he takes his cup and throws the contents all over us. It was like like one of those big gulps from 7-Eleven. So like this huge cup full of stuff, just Chucks it in our faces and then spits at us and walks away. Like, well, that's a first. Like, I've never really had that happen before. Like, it's like moments of just like, huh. I, I can laugh about it now. In the moment, I was, I thought it was odd and I thought it was strange. And I, I kind of chuckled to myself that it really bothered me, right? It like really bothered me. Like, it's not persecution. It's nothing, nothing like that. It was just more like, what on earth? I don't even know who this person is. I mean, we've had people walk into our church. Like when we were in San Francisco, we met in a a nightclub it was our location. Our, our first location of the church was in a nightclub and we would have people walk in off the street naked. Tell us about, uh, tell us about that. How was, how was that
1: the, the church building? Like was it church slash
0: nightclub? Like how did that happen? Yeah. So we were only in there on Sundays. So, on Sunday morning, we would get in there at about 9 in the morning. We would we would go pick up all of our stuff, and we were allowed access in at, like, 9 in the morning, and we had church at 11. And so from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, we were basically cleaning. So, like, they had a cleaning crew that would come in and do some really good things in, in terms of cleaning, but they, did, they didn't get everything. Like, our kids' space, we would find needles every so often, or we would find some some drugs, and we'd have to clean that up before the kids got in there. Uh, we we had to clean up vomit from time to time uh, from from like corners pick up bottles of, of of alcohol and and cups that were overturned in places remop just to make sure that it didn't stink because uh, because at the end of a long night it was a it was a large nightclub it wasn't small but at the end of the night. You've got the smell of alcohol and sweat, right? Like just kind of mixing into the air. So you're trying to air it out, right? So we lit a lot of candles to kind of like do whatever we could to get the for breezing the air left and right, just to get the stink out, right? And uh, we would we would meet in this space and set everything up, and we were off of an alley, and so the nightclub was off an alley off of a major road, and we had signs that we would set up outside that would lead people towards the entrance, and there was one Sunday that, that a a woman came in without any pants and she had a shirt on without any pants, kind of sat down in the back row and while I'm preaching. Right. And I, so I'm walking, watching her walk in to the space and I just don't necessarily know what to do with that. Uh, Other people are watching her walk in. Like we had a couple of people that kind of played like a, like a security role, if, if we, we'd had some issues in the past of people coming in and being really disruptive. And they just kind of watch her walk in not knowing really what to do. There's like, uh, she's quiet. And she sat down and she was really respectful and quiet and didn't really cause a disturbance and got up and walked away at the end of, at the end of church. It's just kind of like, okay, there we go. Like that happened. Um, you know, like different moments of, of strange in the midst of, in the midst of meeting in this nightclub. I mean, we certainly had people that would come in and scream at me uh, while I'm preaching. They, they would come in and uh, you're a false teacher. You're a false prophet. You're going to hell. Uh, you're all going to hell and all this sort of stuff. And they would, they would walk away. Um, and so it, it just, a, just a really fascinating space to, to be in and occupy. As a, were, as a you,
1: were you ever attacked, besides that guy coming to, to the church that you just say now, but were you ever attacked by Christians for having a church at a nightclub, one? And two, you know, for having a, uh, that woman can come into the service, other churches probably will kick her out. Well, yeah. you attack, criticize for doing that, for allowing that <laughs> to happen. And yeah, what do you say biblically to those people who attack you and criticize you for what you did, letting her listen to the message?
0: Oh, well, that's a good that's question. It. Yeah, we were attacked a lot. We were like Christians, like Christians from established churches didn't necessarily understand what we were doing. We were there had only been there had only been a couple of church plants that had happened in the past ten to 20 years within the city of San Francisco when we were there uh, like we were a, we were a fairly like church planting in San Francisco wasn't necessarily something that people were doing at the time now, now since then there's been a lot and that's been really beautiful but I felt like we were really breaking up some hard ground in the midst of that, not just with the culture at large but with the churches and the churches themselves were like how can how, how can you be a christian and meet in a nightclub how can you uh, how can you allow these sorts of people to come into your church how can you be so welcoming to anybody and everybody that would just walk in off the street and oftentimes we, we had we had name, we were we were called a cult for a while we were called a lot of a lot of different things. A lot of different names were thrown at us, and we just kind of just kind of let the let the punches roll. Like just kind of let them roll off. I was the one that received the majority of the uh, of the criticism, not the church at large. I did I did my best to shield the people within the church from all of that stuff because I Fair. didn't want them Listen. to. Yeah, when
1: when you when I hear the word persecution. I often think about you bro because you know (laughs) for the kingdom you have been doing some amazing stuff and you have definitely been persecuted at times for for bringing the gospel to people the way you do it and unfortunately man it's sad that that criticism often comes from christians
0: because that's where the majority of it comes from. Yeah. On Christians,
1: you know, uh, recognize, Hey, I'm broken. I need, I need this guy to bring the message to me. But a lot of Christians don't understand, don't understand that they are broken too. We are yeah. all broken, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like we I need, know. we need to be uh, with the redeemer, Jesus, you know, so, you know, I know a lot of people are going to listen to this, are going to watch this, and are also going to be like, wow, uh, he allowed that to happen? He did that? What do you tell <laughs> with with the Bible? What do you say to those people who still don't understand the gospel that Jesus brought for us?
0: Yeah, I, I think... I always like to go back to the passage in Romans 10 where Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I I think that's, that's the whole of the gospel right there. Like, right. Like we bring the good news, we bring it. And if somebody walks in off the street, if I'm in relationship with somebody that, you know, that everybody else wants nothing to do, if they're not going to hear the gospel, from a Christian, then who are they going to hear the gospel from? If they're not going to hear that Jesus loves them from a Christian, then who are they going to hear that Jesus loves them from? If they're not going to see that God loves them and wants them, that desires them, that sees them for who they truly are, they're not going to hear that from a Christian, then who are they going to hear that from? Like, that's, that's, that's the whole point, right? Like, if That's, that's the whole point so biblically like that's all Jesus did right like that's all Jesus did he went and hung out with the sinners he was the friend of sinners like that's who he spent time with and the religious people looked at him and they criticized him they said how dare you sit at the at the at the dinner table of this tax collector how dare you sit with Zacchaeus how dare you have Matthew a tax collector be one of your disciples right? How dare you sit with these sinners? And Jesus was like, they're not going to hear about the kingdom from me. Who are they going to hear about it from? Because they're not hearing about it from you because you won't tell them. All you're telling them is how terrible and evil and horrible of a person you are or how, how they are. Whereas the whole of the gospel is like, this is how beautiful you are. And in the midst of that, come draw near to Jesus and experience that and have the, the 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 things that are broken, the things that are that 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 aren't who you truly are let's have them shaved away that's one on one discipleship right let's have them shaved away let's peel that away and let's bring you closer and closer and closer to the heart of god like if not a christian then who
1: that's right uh, and you know you say that if not a christian then who um something that I admire from you man is that You are not afraid of doing what God is asking you to do. Um, You want your Father in heaven to be proud of you. You don't care what people on earth think about what you do. (laughs) Uh, You know, right now, the United States have been in a lot of racial tension. It's a lot of tension going on. And Seattle has been in the forefront uh, of that. Um, and I see you being part of those peaceful protests. Um, how has that experience been for you and for the people at your church?
0: Yeah, it's been really, it's been really beautiful. Like It's been really life-giving for me to be, to be in those spaces and to just be a listener. Someone who is listening well to the voices and the stories of those who have been hurt, those who are, uh, those who have experienced deep trauma and deep pain. It has been really life-giving for me to sit in those spaces and to see how I've been complicit in that in my life, uh, to see how I have benefited from that in my life and throughout my life. It, it's also been really hard. It's really hard to be a part of protests, like to be in those spaces. Um, I usually go like, I don't, I don't wear clerical garb on the regular, right? Like a, like a, like a priest collar, that, that sort of stuff. Like, like I, don't, I don't wear that on the regular, but I wear that into those spaces because that's what people recognize, right? Like that's how people recognize like, oh, there's a pastor here. Mm. Like, that's different. That's unique. And oftentimes, I hear people say, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening.
1: What do you think, what do you think that does to people's mind, though, to be like, oh, wow, we have a, a pastor being part of this. Like, what do
0: you think happens? I think oftentimes, as, as a pastor, we get um, labeled, and for good or for bad, as representatives of God. Like, that we are these lone representatives of God. Now, we can argue whether that's true or not. I, I think it's true, but I think it's also true of every Christian. Every Christian is an ambassador, right? We are Christ's ambassadors. So it's true of everybody that's a Christian. But I think when they see a pastor with a collar, they see this representative of God, they're in that space. And for them, oftentimes what I've heard people say is like, we didn't think God cared about this. We didn't know that God cared about us and to me like that's the big win i don't have to say anything i don't have to preach i don't have to i don't have to quote scripture i don't have to do anything i don't have to sing a worship song i don't have to do anything just the show up. just the little just thing the here <laughs> yep just the collar is enough so it's the ministry of presence like that is that is what it is it's the ministry of presence of just being present and if more christians we're a little bit more present in these spaces, I think people would recognize and realize just how much God loves them. That God is in on this too, that God too is a God of justice, that God cares about justice, that God wants and desires justice. It's written all over the pages of scripture.
1: And and you had a little incident. One of those <laughs> in one of those protest um, yeah.
0: you
1: know especially Especially you, me knowing that you have asthma, that whole thing took you to the hospital. You know, uh, how was that like, man? Like, like, what went through your mind during this
0: whole thing? Yeah, I, yeah. Getting tear gassed is a unique experience. I don't recommend it for anybody. <laughs> it hurts. Um, it hurts your eyes, it hurts your nose, it hurts your mouth, and then it hurts your chest, uh, especially if you have asthma. It makes it really, really difficult to breathe. And so you you find yourself coughing a lot in the midst of it. And a lot of what went through my mind was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I couldn't believe it because what was happening was a very peaceful protest. I, I, I hadn't seen anything uh, untoward. I hadn't seen anything harsh or evil or aggressive happening. I saw a lot of people expressing anger uh, towards the police and yelling and screaming with their signs. And that was, that was really what I saw. And then the, the flashbangs came out and the tear gas canisters. And man, I, a lot of what went through my mind was I can't believe this is happening. And I pulled out my phone to document everybody running running away from the tear gas because I thought like that was I that was the first thing that came to my mind was like people need to see what is happening here people need to see that this is not okay uh, that that there is justice there's injustice upon injustice being perpetrated here uh, in the name of justice and that is not right and that is not good so that's a lot of what went through my mind I I spent the past or like the the next couple of days being really angry I I found myself really angry. Uh, Ryan, Ryan called me a couple of days later and we talked it through. And man, if that wasn't one of the most healing and beautiful conversations that I've had, uh, just his presence with me in that space to, to cry with me, to pray with me, man, that was like, that's one-on-one discipleship too right? Like that we care for one another in those spaces of great pain and of great, uh, of great need. And, and he did that for me in that space. And man, that was one of the most beautiful, beautiful moments for me in the midst of that was to see that, yes, something bad happened, but God is present. And God showed himself to me present through Ryan in that space it was it was remarkable
1: you are one of us brother you're one of us you know, <laughs> we, we are one you know like we are with yeah. you uh we're often yeah. praying for you and you know uh we know your heart we know what you're doing uh, with your church how how did your church members uh responded to knowing what happened to to their pastor
0: yeah um our church is a pretty activist church. We have people that engage in protest on the regular against injustice. And we have people that are learning more about what it means to get, to get involved and become activated as activists. So we've, we've done some trainings. We've done a couple of nonviolent trainings. We've partnered with some, uh, some churches and some organizations around the city to also offer more nonviolent resistance trainings, uh, how to, how to prepare ourselves and how to really be, um, uh, how to be present in these spaces, not only safely, but in a way that 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 kind of pricks the moral conscience of the state. Mm. Like there, there's that's that's really the whole purpose of protest: is how can we prick the moral conscience of the state? And if we're if as Christians we're not doing that, then who's going to do that? right? Like, <laughs> we have to be engaged and involved in these spaces. And the church, you know, our church has really rallied around that. Uh, we have really begun to get involved in other ways, um, not just not just through protests, but also through, uh, through policy. So we're beginning to write letters and petition our government leaders as a way of saying like, hey, we need to pay attention to these injustices. Here's some of the things that we believe, are necessary to change to make our society a more just society.
1: That's good, man. Um, yeah. And we have to understand that, you know, we are a body. And yep. when, when, when a church, when a Christian doesn't understand these kind of practices from another church, instead of criticizing, <laughs> pray for, for God <laughs> yes. to give you and your church guidance you know protection um because that's what you guys have been called to do you know in the midst of what's around you um we have to bring the kingdom of heaven bro to earth and the kingdom is not gonna come if if we don't do anything about it you know and like you say god is just god is love but he also lies justice and somebody has to take care of the lease of these, right yes exactly <laughs> we're exactly. called to do it man
0: um and I, th- I think it's also good to note that like our issues here in seattle are not the same issues that happen in chicago yeah they're, exactly. they're not the same issues that happen in santiago they're not the same issues that happen in uh, in new york city they're not the same issues that happen in rural missouri they're different and so as a result, we've got to actually interact with them differently. And yes. how we, like, what, what we are talking about here is very contextual. The way in which we're getting involved here is very contextual. Seattle has a really long history of protest and protest creating change. That that's mm. one of the things that our government leaders actually listen to. They, they're not going to listen to much, but they'll listen to protest. Yeah. <laughs> and we listen to the people that'll, that'll talk about it as well. And so it's a way in which the church can also, and should be involved, is if there is injustice mm-hmm. happening, activate the church. Get involved in the ways in which the city and your leadership will listen well. There, there are certainly parts of the country where writing a letter, like having a letter campaign or a phone call campaign to call legislators and, and representatives works really well. That's just not, not the fair. case here.
1: <laughs> it's not the case
0: here they they're perfectly happy to ignore you they can't ignore a protest so that's that's kind of what we have learned as a city and that's why we do what we do talking talking Aaron a
1: lot about the one-on-one discipleship and all that um what plans do you guys have as a church um do you do any one-on-one in your church like what plans uh do you guys have ahead Of your church next
0: yeah currently we've been doing one-on-one discipleship in groups so we have been we have been creating these what we call huddles of three to five people that get together and one person is spending time in this group having a discussion walking them through what it looks like to be uh, we talk about it in terms of shapes and so what are the shapes that we're walking through? Uh, so we've got the learning circle, which walks people through how to deal. And that's, that's what I had talked about at the conference. Mm-hmm. Like there's this circle that, that each and every one of us walk through as a way of listening and hearing what God wants us to hear, uh, what it is that God is saying to us. And so we, we teach through that in these groups. And then that leader of that group oftentimes talks to the members of that group in one-on-one settings. They have conversations with them to see how they're doing. They check in with them and they, they really work through this stuff with them in that space. And so one-on-one discipleship happens in a variety of forms. And for us, we're doing it in a smaller group, like three to five people, and then in that one-on-one space so that we're having those sorts of conversations happen. And that's been, it's been really beautiful. It's been really life-giving. And we, we hope to see that continue to grow, but people have to be ready for it too. You can't yeah. just you can't just start it. They've got to be ready for it because it's an intentional and intense uh, relationship. It's a disciple,
1: it's a disciple making machine. Yes, exactly. Whoever, whoever goes through it is gonna end up making disciples. Which yes, is what exactly. which is what Jesus wanted. You know, he didn't want yeah. people to say, I'm Christian. You know, yeah. it's like you are a disciple of Jesus. Okay, who's your disciple? Where are your disciples? Because that's what a disciple does. Go make disciples. And that's the Great
0: Commission. Yes. The Great Commission was go and make disciples, not go and make converts. Go and make disciples. Yes. You know, the word disciple, I, oh, I don't remember the number. It's over 300. The word disciple actually happens in the New Testament over 300 times. But the word Christian actually happens like three, right? Like three times. That's it. So, I mean, we're, we're not really called to make Christians. We're called to make disciples. We're called to make people who live in the ways of Jesus. Amen. Um,
1: I'm, I'm loving this time, brother. Uh, <laughs> I I wish I can steal you for a longer uh, time or do like <laughs> another, another part or whatever. But before our time runs out, you know, something that I want to to ask you is something that I always ask uh, my guests that come into my show is you know I try to bring people to this setting um, people that I admire people that I have learned so much from people that have impacted my life in different ways uh, and hopefully the listeners are being are learning something new from from what we are sharing from what you are sharing um, in all these years bro of planting churches, of you know, being married married for eighteen years, um, moving to different cities. Um, you graduated from Lincoln Christian College, right? That was yep, a yep, long yep, time yep. ago. I think I, I think yep. I think I wasn't born when that happened. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not that old. Come on now.
1: <laughs> you know, but a lot has happened, bro. So my question that I would like to ask is what advice will you give the Aaron months that just graduated from Lincoln Christian
0: college and he's ready to conquer the world? Oh man. You know what? I, I would probably go back to God did not call you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. I think, I think that's what I would, that's what I would tell myself. Cause that that took a long time. That took a long time for me to learn, and I probably would have uh, saved myself a lot of pain and a lot of suffering if I would have known that before. If I had known that coming out of college, God did not call you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. That's what I told myself.
1: Bro, that's the quote of the week for me, man. <laughs>
0: i wish i I wish I could tell you who said that I stole that from somebody I don't know who I stole it from but wow that's that's been a that's been a life altering statement for me
1: that's so deep man and it's like so simple but it's so true you know i stole i stole this one right here from Nick plasman <laughs> <laughs> that's so true yes Bro, thank you. Thank you for this time, man. Thank you for all the knowledge that you are dropping on that microphone. Boom, boom, <laughs>
0: boom. Um, oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Uh, it's really, really cool to, to know you, to be able to call you a friend, man. Uh, you are one of those guys that I know that anytime I need anything, I can call you. You know you have me for whatever you need. Um, you need to, you know, I know we have the virus and all these things going on, but you and Tracy need to plan a trip to the Dominican next year or something, <laughs> hang out, you know? <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Oh, uh, I would love it. It would be so good. So you guys can relax because I know you guys been through a lot because I understand when the whole virus thing started, I remember Seattle was one of the first cities that was just like, bam, you know? Yeah.
0: Randy and I were coming back from the Dominican when yes. it hit here, yeah
1: yes, yeah, so you know we're always praying for you. we're gonna continue praying for you, and I really hope uh, our listeners are blessed with with this time that we were able to spend together. Um, yeah I would like to pray, bro, for you, uh, for your family, before to end this 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 interview. And, you know, for those people who are watching, who are listening, if you missed the whole interview, you can check it out, um, Chris Torbano TV on YouTube, and it's also on Spotify as Chris Torbano the Show, and also in Apple Podcasts, you know, you can listen to it, and you know you can send me questions, so for part two with Aaron, I can drop those <laughs> questions on him. <laughs> That'd be so good. I love it. That'd be great. All right, man. Let me pray. Heavenly uh, so Father, good. thank you for my brother Aaron. Thank you for Tracy, family, brother. Um, we love him. Uh, we love what they're doing. In the city of Seattle. I ask you, Father, for you to continue your protection uh, with them um, may they know that they're not alone they have a family of friends that are always praying for them uh give them keep giving them courage and keep giving them strength to continue doing your work uh, thank you for having them a uh, as of workers in the kingdom as teammates uh, spreading the gospel everywhere thank you for their lives and thank you for this time in jesus name i pray amen amen i hope you enjoyed this episode if you want to hear more you can subscribe to my youtube channel or you can find me in spotify and apple Podcasts as cristo urbano the show